you greetings from people in Latin America. Very specifically today, I bring you greetings from Nicaragua, which is probably the, uh, it, the poorest place where I have been in the last five years. And in a very, very, very humble church, in a very dangerous neighborhood, as I left, people kept asking me, where do you go next? And I told them, to Santa Barbara, California. And they said to me, as I left that church, we bless them in the name of the Lord. So receive this blessing from the people from Nicaragua who have blessed you in the name of the Lord. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, at the end of the chapter, starting from verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's it. End of the chapter. Last words of Jesus. According to Matthew here, that was it. Jesus' last words to us. It was before my father died not that long ago. He saw me sitting in his kitchen in Switzerland looking at a set of soup bowls. And uh, he followed my eyesight and he said, do, do you like them? Well, I didn't, but I didn't want to insult my father's taste in soup bowls. <laughs> So, you know, I said something like, well, they are interesting, they have a pretty shape. You know, the diplomatic thing that you say when people ask you those kinds of direct questions. And, and Dad said, well, you know, they are really an inexpensive trinket. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> but they have a long story behind them. And so I asked him, what, so tell me the story. Well, you know, when you're asking a 90-year-old to tell you a story, they tell you the story. And the story was related to the history of Switzerland that had just celebrated like 705th anniversary of independence. And I heard the story of the whole story of the independence of Switzerland, what, what had happened since then, 700-year-old story. And when he finished the long story, he said, do you want them? Take them. Well, when I, Dad died, uh, relatively soon after that, I asked my siblings if I could have the soup bowls. No one else wanted them. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't take much. I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm on the road a lot. We try to live light. And, but Paul and I now own, own this inexpensive soup bowls that are super important, and we cherish them. I cherish them because they are related to one of the last conversations that I had with my dad. Now, now this, this last conversations are very important, and we, we, we replay them, and we think about them, and we try to squeeze out all the juice and all the meaning that we can out of them, because they connect us to people we, we love. But this is not just for, for um, a woman who lost her dad. I think that every teenage girl remembers and can quote word by word what happened in school on Friday. 
And the boy looked at me, and then he, he took a deep breath, and then his eyebrow went up. <laughs> and then he said, hello. Our scripture today is Jesus' last conversation with his disciples, and and we call it the Great Commission. It's the final message from Jesus to his church. Jesus had just risen from the dead. He had been killed. The people who had killed Jesus were now after Jesus' followers, and that brings us to this moment in the story when Jesus is having this last conversation. I have preached about the Great Commission many times, including in this church, but you see, In Latin America, if I preach for less than an hour, people think the Holy Spirit didn't come on me. But here, I know that I have to not preach for an hour. And so when I have preached in the past about the Great Commission, I have tended to move too fast to verse 19 where it calls us to go and, and sort of skipped over verses 16 and 17. But today I want, to, I want to linger a little bit there on verse 16. So if you close your Bible, open it again, Matthew 28, 16. Verse 16, but the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, the mountain which Jesus had designated. The mountain in the Bible is often used to refer to reference a meeting with God, a place where people met with God. The mountain is often the place of a deep encounter with the Holy One. Remember Moses in the mountain. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration, an incredible mountaintop experience that some disciples had with Jesus. And then there was, of course, the Sermon on the Mount, where the disciples learned what it looked like to be and to behave and to act and to live like a mature follower of Jesus Christ. And so here in this mountain, Jesus gives the disciples the great commission, and he says, go, go. It seems to me that part of the message here is that if you want to stay on a spiritual mountaintop with God, if you want to be in deep relationship with him, if you want to enjoy that multi-layer relationship with him, you have to go. You have to go. I don't think I'm reading too much into this passage. It seems to me that Jesus is saying that if you cherish a deep experience with God, if you cherish that mountaintop experience, then you must become involved in that great commission, and you need to go. I think that Jesus is telling us in this passage that it is in the going that you stay in that mountaintop of deep, mysterious, rich, rich relationship with God. Now, let's linger a bit longer in the next verse, verse 17. And when they saw him, it says, they worship him, but some were doubtful. An interesting contrast. Some believed, some worshipped, some were doubtful. Honestly, I can't wrap my head around people doubting about this time. They had seen Jesus dead, cold, bloody. They, they had touched him. They, they knew he was dead, and now he was alive in front of them, warm, talking to them, whole. What more did they want to believe? Here he was. The evidence was clear, but still some doubted. 
But Jesus did not reject the people who doubted. After all, they had made the journey all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee to be with Jesus. It wasn't far. It was about 30 miles. But walking. And in, in, in the heat, in, in a very hot part of the world. They had come. They had joined Jesus and the other disciples in this mountaintop experience. And Jesus did not reject them even though they had their doubts. Jesus recognized their journey. Jesus always recognizes our journey and meets us in our journey. Now, as we unpack the next few verses here, the Great Commission, hang in there. I want to talk with you about what this means for us here in California, for us here in Santa Barbara, for us also around the world. And, and I invite you to hang in there as we unpack this, even with your doubts, even with your doubts about Jesus, and even with your doubts about his calling you or your church. Others may be gun ho and going into all the world when what you want to do is stay on your own cocoon, put on your PJs, and watch reruns. And you may not be convinced that the church ought to be talking about these things. You may not be convinced that the church should sacrifice any money or any church services to talk about the Great Commission. To, to go and reach people who you don't understand, who speak in languages that, where do they come from, in countries that are as hot as Hades and maybe full of bugs. And you may think, that's not what I want to hear on Sunday morning. That's your journey. Matthew 28, 17, some doubted, but they worship him. You may have doubts about all of this, but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Continue to worship him as he speaks to you about what your part of the journey would be about the Great Commission. So here we have a last conversation, a mountaintop experience. What's the bottom line? This last conversation, this, this mountaintop experience, was so that Jesus could tell them to go. To go. Now, you know, the Bible was not written in English. It was translated from other languages. And so I want to translate to you what the word go means in English in a fair translation. It means put on your shoes, buy a ticket, get off your seat, go. When you get there, write a blog, take pictures, write back to the church, tell people what you saw Jesus do, go. That's what go means in the Bible. <laughs> I love Calvin and, and, and Hobbes. Anybody here? Calvin and Hobbes? Yes, amen, I can see that hand. Yes, yes. He flies all over the universe while sitting at his school desk. And in the outside, he may be in school, but in the inside, he is all over the world. I am... Um, if a teacher tells him or his mom tells him to do something he doesn't want to do, he stays there, but his mind is taking this flights of fantasy where he and, and the stuffed tiger becomes real and together they fly all over the world. You know, as a kid growing up in Argentina, I used to be like Calvin. I would sit in church and one word from the pastor, one word in the sermon, and I could be off flying into China and flying all around the world and only the singing of the final hymn will bring me back to my seat for the end of the service. Calvin goes all over the world without going. Can we go without going to fulfill the Great Commission with our minds, with our prayers, with our giving? 
I know that there are people in this church that have gone without going because you have prayed for me, because you have told me, and because I have seen the answer to your prayers many times, many times to your very specific prayers. When I read a passage from the scripture, I always ask myself, why is this happening here in this place and not somewhere else? Why is this conversation happening in this mountain? And so I ask myself, could it be that Jesus wanted this conversation, this great commission to be given on that mountain to remind the disciples of other conversations that they had had in other mountains together? Now, when Paul and I are in the northeastern United States, we try to stop for at least one meal, well, for just one meal, at a place called Perkins. Anybody here knows Perkins? Well, let me tell you, Perkins is like a cheap Denny's. And and we we don't eat that kind of food anymore, but, but we go because when Paul and I were dating, actually, before we knew we were dating... Um, we, we would go to Perkins. It was just about the only place we could afford. And we had some, some awesome conversations at, at many Dennis Perkinses. Um, and so years later, here we are. We don't eat that food anymore. But if we are in the Northeast, we go to Perkins because when we are there, we are not just eating the same greasy food that reminds us of our dating years. We are remembering a lot of other things. We are remembering memories and intimacies. And we are remembering inside jokes. And I am remembering looking into this guy's eyes and thinking, I'm falling in love with him. I'm marrying him. And I am sitting there at Perkins, and I look at Paul, and I remember Seeing into his eyes, he's falling in love with me. It may be we will get married. And and I wonder when I read this great commission that is being told, given in this mountain, could it be that Jesus is doing that there because he wanted the mountain to be like an echo, reminding them of all the other mountaintop experiences and all the other things that he had told them in the mountains. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Be careful with anger. Settle matters quickly. Do not derail the plans of God. Scholars agree that that what this means, what the original language means, is that as you go, you need to be doing these things. As you live, as you go to school, as you go to the supermarket, as you hang out with friends, as you go to your business, as you see your patients, that Jesus is telling us, remember what I have taught you. As you go, as you live, be light, be salt, be careful with your anger. Settle matters quickly. And now go, 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 get out of here. Go and live out what I have taught you. Live. And as you live, tell people about me, what you know of me from being in the mountaintop experience, from listening to me this last three years. Go and make disciples of all nations. Some people, when they go, they go to see. When they go to the nations, when they travel to another country, they they go to sea. And that kind of going to sea is good. It is good for our souls. 
we need to go and see and bring a report back to the church. We need to go and see and come back and bear witness that Kyle and Dennis Leon are indeed doing what they show in the pictures when they come back. I tell you, I don't know what your theology of cloning is, but if I could clone a couple of missionaries, that would be Kyle and Dennis Leon. Thank you for sending them. Thank you for keeping them resourced with prayer and with money. Thank you. Thank you. We need to go and we need to take pictures and we need to to see. Seeing unleashes generosity in us. But there is more to it. Leaving what's familiar to us, leaving our comfort zones, and going, lead us to discover new things and to do some deep thinking. Who am I? You know, I think about this all the time. Why was I born with the privilege that I was born? Why was I born in a Swiss-Argentinian family that allowed me the privilege of studying, the privilege of exposure? Why? Why, God, when I'm in Nicaragua, when I was in Nicaragua just a few days ago, I thought about that so many times. Why do I have the privileges that I have, such as they are? And these are questions that we tend to ask ourselves when we move out of our comfort zones. But there are other theological questions that come up as well when we go out of our comfort zone to the nations overseas. I had the horrific honor of leading the Free Methodist response after the earthquake in Haiti a few years ago, 2010. It was the week after the earthquake. It was days after, it was hours after the earthquake and I was there. And it was a week now after the earthquake and I was sitting in a car in Haiti with my colleague, Pastor Dale Woods. I, had, I was there with a the team. The part of the team was doing something else. Dale and I were going to meet with some pastors. And um, there had been some very scary aftershocks, very scary aftershocks. The country was in shock. I was in shock. Everybody I knew, everyone I was working with was in shock. And we were at a place where the traffic was awful. The traffic is off, always awful in Haiti, but it was awfuler because of the earthquake. And we were at a standstill. And in front of us, there was this huge forklift that was lifting rubble from the street. Piles and piles of rubble. And Pastor Dale and I looked at each other and we knew. The smell told us that this was not just rubble, that in this pile there were dead bodies. And that these were dead bodies of somebody's mom and somebody's dad and somebody's daughters and somebody's son. And they were being forklifted into this truck to keep whoever was left alive, alive. And we sat there in that heat, in that stench, in those flies, surrounded by those flies. And I don't know what Pastor Dale was thinking, but I can tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking, is God big enough for this? Is God big enough for this misery? Is God big enough for this horror? Is God big enough for this terribleness? Is God big enough? 
You see, leaving your comfort zone can lead us to develop, to ask questions and to deep, deeply, to go deeply in theological searching. What do I believe? What do I really believe? It can also lead us to seeing our culture as an outsider, and it can lead us to good discoveries that are good for our souls. Going is good, and that's why Jesus told us to go. But Jesus didn't just tell us to go. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And it it used to be that the nations were out there, far away. And if you wanted to connect with the nations, you had to get on a plane or on a boat, and you had to go. But the nations are here now. In our schools, in our business, in our hospitals, in our neighborhoods. The last time I was here, I ate fabulous food at a Vietnamese restaurant in Santa Barbara. And I can tell you, the food that I was served was not a Betty Crocker recipe. Someone from Vietnam had had made that food, and it was really good. And, And we were the only people in that restaurant who were speaking English to each other. Actually, we were speaking Spanish to each other. Everybody else was speaking Vietnamese. The world is here. The world is around us. The world is in beautiful California. And it is such a divisive political issue. And we can talk about it until we are blue in the face. But the reality is that we are here. Estamos aquí. And I'm so grateful that when I came to the United States from Switzerland as a college student, that God put Joni Lawton in my path. I was a brand new believer, brand new believer. And this woman took an interest in me, a foreigner, and she invested in me. She culturalized me to America. I don't know if that's a verb, but she culturalized me into life into America. She showed me how things were done. She told me about zip codes. She told me about American food. You see, before I came to America, I ate corn like this. And she told me that here you eat corn like this. And then you have to do this. (laughs) She corrected my English so that you could understand me today. She took me camping for the first time in my life. I'm a city girl. She took me camping. I almost died. (laughs) She invested in my life. It was on-the-go culturalization to America and discipleship. And it was deep discipleship. And it was discipleship for leadership. She has everything to do with my being an area director in Latin America today. I wouldn't be who I am without her. And she recently turned 80. And I usually call her before a long trip when when I can, and often, actually. And I thank her again. And I said, Joni, thank you so much for investing in me, a foreigner who could barely speak your language. And she said, Delia, she had never told me this before. She said, Delia, I had never done that before. I had never taken a foreigner into my life and invited her into my house. And I had never given anyone, let alone a foreigner, the key to my condo in New York City. She said it really wasn't that much. It wasn't that much for her. It was life-changing for me. As she invested in my life, and she was used of God to change my life And she started mentoring me, discipling me into leadership. She follows me wherever I go and through Facebook and other means. She supports my ministry financially. And in a sense, Joni Lawton was like Calvin and Hobbes. They went into all the world. She went into all the world without leaving her place in New York City. 
The world is all around us. It's all around us. And there are times when I am convinced that God is helping us fulfill the Great Commission by allowing people from other parts of the world to come into our lives so we can tell them about him, so that we can share with others what Christ has done in our lives. But of course, to make disciples of all nations, some of us must go overseas. And as we go, our worldview is going to be stretched. Our culture will be challenged. Our faith will be tested. Our theology will be deepened. And our wallets will be lightened. Because we will see what is happening. And our hearts will be touched. And we will want to give. And we will want to give more than we thought we were able to give. And why do we go? To make disciples. That's what we are supposed to do. It is easy to underestimate or to overestimate the answer. But when Jesus said go, he said go for a specific purpose. Go and make disciples, whether it is across the street, across town, to the next city, or around the world. To be faithful to the Great Commission, everything we do needs to lead to the making of disciples. It is fine to go and see But if we are going to be totally honest about what we're doing, we need to say we are just going to see. But if we are going to do missions, if we are going to fulfill the Great Commission, we need to go and make disciples. As I travel in Latin America, I can't tell you how many times I hear about church buildings that were painted twice in a summer because there were some people who needed a cross-cultural experience. And what they wanted to do was paint a building. When I read the Great Commission, it didn't say go into all the world and paint buildings. It said go into all the world and make disciples and lead people to Jesus and teach them what I have obeyed you and baptize them and welcome them into eternal life with Jesus and with believers from around the world. The last words words of Jesus, go. Go into all the world and make disciples. I'm not talking about gaining numbers. I'm, although, you know, let me tell you about numbers. There is a sign right in the foyer of your church. And, and I am thrilled to tell you that right now the Free Methodist Church in Latin America is larger than the Free Methodist Church in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Europe, Europe combined. Praise God. It is the work of people who have gone before us, who have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are making disciples. We are not about making disciples for the sake of numbers. We are about making disciples because it changes everything once that people give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And how on earth are you going to do that if you don't speak the language? You connect with people like the Leons, like Kyle and Dennis. We connect with people that we have on the on the ground, on the different countries, who are helping create truly synergetic alliances where everybody benefits, the church that sends, the people who receive. It is amazing what is happening in these days. I think that when the history of the church is written about what is happening right now, you will see that God is raising up partnerships like never before, coalitions, networks, movements. That is happening all around the world. It is happening all over Latin America where Christians are discovering how amazing it is that 
Disciples can be made when Christians work together and they don't care who gets the public applause or whose church gets fuller. Realistically, it is not comfortable to serve people like that when we don't have to. But that is the way of Christ. And I tell you this, if we are going to make ourselves uncomfortable and going, we must not waste our uncomfortability with anything but offering life and making disciples and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God and cooperating with God's plan to reach the world for him. So here are the last words of Jesus. Go. Go. People from Santa Barbara, Free Methodist Church. These are the words of Jesus for you. Go. Go in your minds. Go in your hearts. Go in your giving. Go in your prayers. Go across the street. Go across the world. Go to Estrellos in Costa Rica. Go to the rest of Latin America. Go to discover what God is doing. Go Go outside of your comfort zone. Go to partner. But the main thing is not going. The main thing is to make disciples. Go and introduce people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And teach them to obey everything he has commanded us. And he finishes that hard calling with these words. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Amen.